Yeah, welcome, welcome. Man, it's so good to be here in Albion this morning. 29 years today. 29 years today. Oh my goodness, I can't hardly believe I've been married 29 years. Praise the Lord. Uh, yeah, it's so good to be here. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for this morning. I love seeing the sun coming up and ah, as creation is reborn yet again. And God, I just pray that um, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, to you be the glory in this place. May your kingdom come, your will be done here in Elbion as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, so good to see you all this morning. I bring greetings from Lowell, Michigan. A bunch of believers up there want to extend their hearty hello to you this morning. And it's so good to see your shiny, happy faces this morning and to be here with you. Uh, we're going to just jump right in. I'm going to be speaking this morning about blessings and curses, uh, the power of our words. And so we're going to get right after it. And so have you ever been in a conversation where you're just talking with somebody and you think you're being funny and you find out that the way the person responds to your sort of funny words is not so kind. And in fact, you say something to them and maybe it's uh, with your spouse and you have some veiled kind of humor. Maybe it's you're even speaking with what you would like to call sarcasm. And the the hint of truth that's in it, and you think you're being funny, and you hear this kind of a response, oh, I didn't mean it, right? You, you, you hear the response from them, but your response back to them is, well, I didn't mean it, or I was only joking, come on, I'm kidding, lighten up, you don't need to take it so seriously, or what's the matter, can't you take a joke? Seriously. Yeah. And suddenly what you were intending to be a joke, or maybe you were intending to manipulate, or maybe you were intending to get your point across, but you wanted to do it thinking you were going to spare the person their feelings a little bit, so you made light of it, and it doesn't seem so light anymore. See, God takes our words seriously even when we don't. Matthew 12, 35 through 37, our Lord Jesus shares these words. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. By your words you will be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. You must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. That's Jesus speaking. He's not messing around, is he? Every idle word? Really? And I notice in that he doesn't say, it's by your works you'll be justified and by your works you'll be condemned. It's by your words. So what are the words that you speak. 
What are the words that you spoke this morning? On your way here, were you in a fight pulling into the parking lot? Husbands, wives? Things weren't going so swimmingly this morning? His kids weren't getting ready or her kids weren't getting ready. Your kids just aren't getting ready the way they're supposed to. They just don't listen. See, we get to choose our words, but what we don't get to choose is the consequences of those words. Out of the mouth are going to come either blessings or curses. And it isn't just the blatant and obvious words that we speak. It's every word. By every word. Now this is extremely convicting for me because as a young man, I, the, the model that I had for what it meant to be a husband or to be a dad was my dad, right? And by most accounts, it wasn't the most favorable Example. And I could say some of the words that my dad spoke, but they don't need to be repeated. In fact, some of those words helped define me for decades until I came under the realization that those words aren't what defines me. It's my identity in Christ that defines me. And that changed the trajectory of my life. I took those words that I heard my dad say in the way that he was a husband to my mom and I modeled that. I treated my wife very poorly. The words that I would speak to her, words like, if you ever get over such and such a weight, I'm going to divorce you. Or, yeah, I can see us staying married until the kids move out, but then we're going to get a divorce. Right? Stupid stuff. Like really stupid, moronic stuff. But to me, that was the way that I should lead. There was a certain level of ignorance attached to that, obviously. But then there was also a selfishness there. Like I wanted what I want. It's about me. And I was really good at creating God in my image and making him fit exactly the way I wanted him to fit within each context of my life. Could I use him as a weapon? Could I use him as, a, as an out? Could I use him as a justification? And I did that with my words. In Psalm 139, verse 4, The psalmist says, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Now all of a sudden it's not a tongue issue, now it's a heart issue. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we start to find that the heart is the root and the tongue bears the fruit. I think that might be the reason why in Joshua 1, verse 8, the Lord is talking to the Israelite people. He's talking specifically to Joshua. And he's telling Joshua, y'all are going into the promised land. Now I want you to understand something. You guys have screwed things up pretty bad. Now I'm taking a little bit of um, freedom here with what God 
was saying, or not what he was saying, but what his intent behind the words were. But he says to Joshua, he says in this whole section where he's talking to Joshua as they go to enter into the promised land, he says, keep this book of the law or keep Torah always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And I wonder to myself, I wonder if God is saying that because he knows that as long as mankind is speaking Torah, speaking the word of God, he won't speak his own words because when he starts speaking his own words, everything goes sideways. Join me in repeating this. My mouth can get me in trouble. My mouth can get me in trouble. Why don't you turn to somebody beside you and just say, my mouth can get me in trouble. (laughs) Oh yeah, it got real now. It was fine just saying it to me, but now you say it to your spouse or to somebody sitting beside you. It's like, oh oh, man, they know what's going to get me in trouble. It just did. He said, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, keep speaking it wherever you go. When you're walking along the road, when you're sitting at your home, wherever you're at, just keep speaking the word of God because as long as you do that, there's going to be a lot less chance for you to say something stupid. In fact, James, Jesus' half-brother, after Jesus dies and um, is resurrected and then ascends into heaven, James writes his little letter, his little book that, is just packed full of wisdom. And he takes one full section. It's like, I've got five chapters. Well, he wasn't saying that because he didn't write in chapters, but we break it down into five chapters. And he's like, i got to devote a section just to the tongue because the tongue gets really jacked up really quick. And I'm one of those people. I would have... Imagine you're the younger brother. Your older brother says, Hey, bro, I'm the Messiah. You'd be like... Dude, you're whack too is what you are because there's no way, there is no way you're the Messiah. I mean, we've read what Isaiah has said. We've read Torah. We've read all this stuff, but I don't know how in the world it is you think you're the Messiah. I got a, I got a sneaky suspicion James may have said some words that probably were not appropriate. At some point in time along the line when Jesus is walking perfectly and James keeps getting in trouble, maybe, Um, that maybe there were some things that were said that probably shouldn't have been said. But he talks about how this bridle, you can put the bridle into the mouth of a horse and you can steer the entire animal just with this little bridle. And then he talks about how the tongue is can be like a spark that can start a forest fire. In James 3, 6, it says... It corrupts, the tongue corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. He's not messing around, is he? He's getting right to it. Like if you get off track and you just allow this thing to start going, it's going to cause some serious damage. He goes on to say a little bit farther in James chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, with the tongue we praise the Lord and Father, like we were just doing, right? We praise the Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come blessing and curses. Out of the same mouth come blessing and curses. Turn to somebody beside you and say, my mouth can get me in trouble. 
<laughs> He's not falling for that again. <laughs> so I want to share a video with you. It's about three minutes. Uh, I just want you to get a glimpse of this, and then we're going to unpack why I shared this video. This is from Dr. Masuro Emoto from Japan. And just see what he has to show us here. Words of death, words of life, words of blessing, words of curses. God created all things. He spoke it into existence. We are created in the image of God, and we are called, we are commanded to create 
with our words. Not create something out of nothing like God did, but to create something out of something with our words. To speak life or to speak death. There's no, um, let's speak while it's on hospice. There's no, let's speak in the mid, in a midlife crisis. No, it's either speaking life or it's speaking death. There's nothing, there's no gray area in the middle. What are the words that you speak? What are the curses that we are speaking over ourselves and over others without even realizing because we are not taking every thought captive and by extension taking every word captive that we speak? Now I know what I'm going to share with you next. It can sound legalistic. Probably because in some ways it is legalistic. Because with the words that we speak... We either give the enemy legal right to oppress or we command the enemy through the words that we speak legally to leave. What are the words that you speak? Are they words like, I'm going crazy or I can't take it anymore. I'm sick and tired. I always get sick. It runs in the family. I'm just like my dad, or I'm just like my mom, or I'm just like everyone else in my family line. I can never make ends meet. It always happens to me. Over my dead body. I hate my life. That makes me sick. I always mess it up. I can't get it right. I'll never forgive you for. I'm going to die young. If something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. I hope you have kids just like you. Or maybe it's not the I statements. Maybe it's you'll always be like that. You never listen to me. You never want to have sex with me. You never touch me. Once a liar, always a liar. You can't understand me. You always say the same thing. You treat me like a kid. You know this is the way I am. You're just like your mom or your dad. You make me sick. You always do the same stupid stuff. You'll never forgive me. We always have the same argument over and over again. You'll never amount to anything. You're always trying to fix me. Or maybe it's as a parent. Maybe it's something like this. Stop running, you're going to fall. You're going to hurt yourself. I was walking out of the church on this past Sunday, and there's a little boy hanging on a handrail. And he's swinging around on it. And his mom walks up and says, Stop doing that. You're going to fall and split your head wide open. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Jeez, oh Pete. We have a lobotomy right here on the stinking steps of the church. Let the kid fall and hurt himself. What better way to learn? We can't get on the same page. We can't ever agree. We never see eye to eye. It'll never get any better. Are you catching what I'm saying? Get this. 
those pictures that you just saw, they would take and they'd flash freeze water. They would speak to the water, to a container of water, take a drop of the water, they'd flash freeze it, and that's the pictures that you've seen. Our bodies are made up of 70% water. There's more than that. Sound travels through water over four times faster than it does room temperature air. Sound. My words are traveling through your body quite possibly faster than they are through this air. Most of the molecules in the body are electric, electrical dipoles. These dipoles electronically function like transducers in that they are able to turn acoustic waves into electrical waves and vice versa. So imagine my words travel through your body. Your body can transfer those words into an electrical response and hello, you are comprised of or have part of your body is made up of a central nervous system. Think of the power of your words. What are you speaking to the people that are around you? Are you speaking life or are you speaking death? Just to get a glimpse of a story from Scripture of someone who spoke death and then the response of it. Let's go to Mark chapter 14, verses 71 and 72. We're going to just rip through this story really quickly. But to set it up, Jesus is having a has just had a conversation with Peter and he said, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. Or before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And so Peter is off in the courtyard. Jesus is being dealt with or is dealing with the Romans. And it says, but he, Peter, began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. Now, just so you know, that isn't an actual rooster. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, Because imagine if there was like a thousand roosters in Jerusalem, which one would be the one that would crow, right? Because they don't all have a timer that, and then they all do it at the same time, right? No, because there was no chickens around the temple area. That A cock crow was the position that a person had, one of the Levites who would stand up on the wall And he would yell out, I believe I have, he would yell out something like this. The first, the first Levite would yell out, it is daylight, the whole eastern sky is lit. And then there would be another person up on the wall that would say, as far as Hebron, and then there would be a repeat that would happen. And then the words, Arise, you priests, for your service, you Levites for your platform, and Israel for your post. So the cock crow was actually a person who's standing up on the wall that sees the sun is beginning to rise and who gives a yell out so that all the Levites will wake up and they'll be ready to work in the temple. That's just a little sidebar thing. All right, so Peter has just denied Jesus. 
Now, Mark chapter 16, we go just a little bit farther in the story. Jesus has risen from the dead. The women go to the tomb and they go there. They're trying, they're hoping to find Jesus there, right? And they actually meet up with a young man or an angel that's there. And the angel says, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Notice what is being said there. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. See, Peter has invoked a curse on himself and is not recognized as a disciple. He says, I am not one of them. His words had power. Jesus knew what his words were. And Jesus, even in his wording, through this angel, is expressing that Peter is no longer a disciple. In fact, we fast forward just a couple of days later. The disciples have gone out into the boat. They're out fishing, right? And Jesus is standing on the shoreline and he's making breakfast. He's got some fish that are cooking and he calls out to the disciples. They don't recognize him yet. Hey, throw your net on the other side. And then they have this huge haul of fish. Then Peter recognizes that as Jesus. He just goes berserk, loses his mind, jumps overboard, swims to the shore. He's so excited to see Jesus. They eat breakfast, and then after breakfast, this conversation happens in John chapter 21, 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I imagine he's pointing to the fish. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See, Jesus has now made a way back for Peter to be a disciple again. He's loved him back into that position that he had willingly with his mouth had cursed himself and removed himself from the position of. In fact, I believe that Peter really did learn his lesson if we read in 1 Peter 4, 11, something that Peter lays out after Jesus is gone, Peter says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. It's almost as if he's paraphrasing from Joshua 1, 8. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. So you'll be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Proverbs 18, verse 21, and this comes from the message. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. I choose. 
Proverbs 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. So, I got a challenge for you today. As image bearers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, children of God, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, notice right there, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you spoke words of life and said, Jesus, you are my Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. If you're one of those people sitting here in this place, then I believe that the Spirit of the living God lives inside of you. If you have not made that profession, then you still can make that profession. At any moment, you can make that choice with your words to confess that Jesus is Lord. And if you've made that profession of faith, then you are accountable for every word that you speak. Are you speaking blessing or curse? Are you speaking life or death? Poison or fruit? Are you killing or healing? So how do we get out of the mess that we've made? This has been a long, arduous journey for myself because... I was really good with my tongue when it came to speaking words of death. In fact, I, I, I held it as a badge of honor for the way that I could trash talk or that I could tear people down. And at the same time, back in those days, I still would have called myself a Christian. And so it has been a long process of allowing the Holy Spirit to bring words to mind that I've spoken that I can now repent of, renounce, and replace. So these three words. The first one is repent. Ask the Holy Spirit, what are the words that I have spoken that are either curses or words of death? Now, I suggest you you get in some alone time if you're going to do this because you might get surprised by some of the things that come to mind. But as they're coming to mind, I encourage you to just write them down and just keep writing. Don't try to justify them because that might be part of the problem, right? Is justifying our words saying, well, they deserved it. Well, they maybe did deserve it, but you're not God and it's not for you to judge them. Just start writing them down. Man, oh man, the list was so long for me. It was brutal. It brought tears to my eyes to look at it like, oh my goodness, God, I've called myself a Christian and this is what I've done. Once you get all of those words wrote down, it's time to fess up to the fess up to that sin that you've committed and confess them out loud. Lord Jesus, today I come before you and I confess the sin of speaking these words out loud. 
and then just go through and speak them. Speak them out loud. Because what you're doing is you're just exercising Ephesians 3, 10 through 12. His intent, God's intent, is that now through the church, through us, we would make known or we would impose upon the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm the manifold wisdom of God or the multidimensional wisdom of God, the dynamic wisdom of God, we would impose that upon the spiritual realm and instruct them according to the eternal purpose that God created or that God accomplished through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, which is salvation. So me being a child of God, covered by the blood of the Lamb, covered by the blood of Jesus washed clean, made new, made whole, restored and redeemed, I am now going to go back and I'm going to take all of those words of death, all of those curses that I've spoken, and I'm going to expose them to the spiritual realm yet again, but this time I'm going to do it as a way of confessing it as sin, and then I'm going to renounce it. So I confess all of those things, and then in the name of Jesus, I renounce the words. Now the word renounce, really it's a, It's an awesome word. It is to formally declare your abandonment of a right or a claim to something. To formally declare that you are abandoning the right or the claim that you have to those words that you've spoken. You're giving it up. You're surrendering it. You're giving it to Jesus to say, Jesus, go ahead, take all these words. I spoke them out of ignorance. I spoke them out of anger. I spoke them out of whatever it was, whatever the reason is that I did that. I did it. I confess it. I'm owning up to it. I'm fessing up to it. And I'm renouncing them in the name of Jesus Christ who died for all of that sin that I've spoken. And then replace them. So it could be like, I'll do something simple. Um, In the name of Jesus Christ, I confess the words that I spoke when I said I'm a failure. And I renounce those words in the name of Jesus. And today, God, I replace them with the words... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's gone. Years of crap is gone. Right? I spoke those words maybe back when I was a kid. And then those words began to bear fruit. Maybe I repeated those words, but maybe those words evolved into something else. I can't do anything right. Or maybe they evolved into something that just went a whole nother direction. Since I always fail, I'm just going to do whatever I have to do to keep on failing. Or I'm going to fail worse than anybody else. Whatever it is, right? That stuff, when you plant that seed of death, it's going to bear fruit. It's going to begin to grow roots, and then it's going to bear fruit. Be careful not to let a bitter root form that will defile many, we read in Scripture. If I drop a seed in the ground, in order for it to grow, it has to bear, it has to grow roots. And those roots spread, right? They go in multiple directions. And when they start to pop up to the surface, 
providing more plants that have grown from that bad seed, it's going to come out. Right? Sin always goes in one direction, but it always comes out sideways. It doesn't come back out the same way it went in. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. May it be so with every one of us here today. From this day forward, may it be so that we speak only words of life that will transform ourself, that will transform our marriages, our parenting, our church, our community, our workplace, all of our relationships, so that his kingdom come, his will be done here in your life and in your community as it is in heaven. May it be said about this church, about you. Man, whenever I'm around them, I just, it just feels so good. His or her yes is yes and their no is no. I like to be around DL because when DL speaks, I know he's not going to cut me down. I like to be around Damien because when Damien speaks, I, I leave the conversation. I just feel a little bit better about myself. I want to be around Michelle because when Michelle speaks, it's just like, ah. It's almost like, it's like she gets me. God, we just thank you so much for this morning. May your word be living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. May it penetrate to dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow. God, divide us rightly. Forgive us, God. May the words that we speak from this day forward be glorifying to you, God. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that for every person here who's taking this message seriously, that you will meet them right where they're at, that you will begin to bring forth those words that have grieved you, Holy Spirit. Those words that have resided within each person here that stand contrary to the kingdom of God, that are curses rather than blessings, that are death rather than life. God, may you bring those out in a way that will bring redemption and restoration. We trust in you for that, God. We need you so desperately. God, I pray that you will tame our tongues. God, I pray that you will give us the strength to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ so that you will be glorified in everything we say and everything we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.